Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're certainly glad that you're here this morning. I'm still amazed <clears throat> at the weather this summer. Uh, it just doesn't seem like Maryland's <laughs> uh, summers, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, humidity has not been horrible, etc. So I hope you had a good week. I'm glad that you're here. We started a series a few weeks ago called Grace, Too Good to Be True. No, <laughs> grace is true. And a uh, quick review for those of you who might have <clears throat> missed one of these. Uh, first week, we talked about salvation or getting connected with God is based, isn't based on my performance. What I do, what I don't do, good or bad, that's what we kind of think naturally because our relationship with other people are based on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But with God, it's not. It's based on God's promise. He says, I want to be in relationship with you. I love you. I sent my son to die for you. If you accept that gift, I wrap my arms around you and invite you into my family. So that's the foundation. So once you enter into that relationship, how do you live by this thing called grace? Because in actuality, that's where a lot of us struggle as Jesus followers. So week two, we talked about guilt. Become the person God wants you to be, not by guilt, not by having a guilt trip. Oh, I should have done this, and I didn't do it. That doesn't empower you to do the right thing, but it's by God's grace. God, thank you that you love me anyway, and that encourages me to, to do right. Uh, and then we talked about willpower, ability to do things, change, make changes in our lives. And we said the Christian life is not a matter of my willpower, but God's will and God's power. Because we all know our willpower doesn't work, right? If you've been on more than one diet in your life or one exercise program in your life or whatever, you know willpower doesn't work. Or one list of uh, New Year's resolutions. So God will empower us to do His will. And then last week, talked about a really important thing. When I see my, me or myself the way God sees me, my heart is healed. And we talked about uh, <clears throat> the pain and, and uh, guilt, not guilt, but pain and suffering and abuse that, that we all suffer from, that hurting heart, and how to, how to get that healed. Again, they're on our website if you want to listen to those or listen to those again. We've got a really important topic today. It's talking about relaxing in grace. <clears throat> we do one of those little self-quizzes. You ever pick up these magazines you can quiz yourself on something, or I'm going to quiz you a little bit this morning on relaxing. So, how many of you have trouble relaxing? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> relaxing. So, when you do relax, you feel guilty because you're relaxing, so you're really not relaxing. Um, some of us can fit into that category. How many of you are discontented? <clears throat> discontented with your circumstances, discontented with yourself, discontented with your spouse, discontented with your kids, with your job, whatever. How often do we say this, I should have, I ought to, I shouldn't have, etc. Again, leads into that discontentment. Or how about um, you just feel like life is unreasonable. Your boss is unreasonable, your spouse, your parents... Uh, it's just unreasonable. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, you fall into that category. And if you're not, we're glad you're here uh, checking us out. But if you're a Jesus follower, you well, God, you're unreasonable. Yeah, I can't keep those Ten Commandments, much less all that other stuff, love my enemies. That's unreasonable. And bottom line, do you feel like life is a burden? 
and I just try and get through today, and then tomorrow I'll try and get through tomorrow. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking that way this week, trying to get through Bible school. It's like Wednesday's the halfway point. Get through Wednesday. No, we enjoy Bible school. Bring your kids. Have a good time. If you feel that way or have felt that way, you're suffering under two misconceptions, whether you're a Jesus follower or not. Two misconceptions. And I'm calling them enemies of grace, but just misconceptions about life. The first one's this, legalism. Trying to earn God's approval. You can cut God out if you want. Trying to gain somebody's approval through the rules. Now, I'm married, and my wife has kind of some of these rules. Uh, you know, put the toilet seat down, and those kind of rules, you know. Put the toothpaste lid back on the toothpaste. So we had those rules, right, in our relationships. And so... Yeah, my wife is going to like me better if I do this or I do this or she's not going to like me or my parents or your boss or whoever it might be. Um, trying to gain approval by keeping the rules. The other misconception is this. Perfectionism. Trying to prove my worth by being perfect. Well, if I put the toilet seat down every time, then she's going to love me. Got to make sure, better check, you know, don't mess up one time. Uh, again, uh, at work uh, or at school, you know, got to get, get it all right, got to get it all right, got to get it all right. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, if you've been a Jesus follower for a while, you're kind of a, 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 a religious person. This is, or these two are probably the biggest hang-ups I see. You know, we get in, get in that relationship. We get in with God through that, that, that grace thing. But after that, you know, I, I got to help God out, right? God expects me to do all this stuff to, to make him happy or to serve him. And so I see this a lot. In fact, there are churches that I call legalistic churches. And, and uh, they have a bunch of rules. If you come to this church, you've got to have a bunch of rules. Uh, we don't have a bunch of rules around here. <laughs> uh, maybe we should have more than we do, but we don't. All right? It's not about keeping the rules. It's about the relationship. Now, there's a connection, but that's not what it is. So these are two big hang-ups. Now, the problem with these two things is it, it doesn't make our life uh, all that we want it to be. I'm going to give you a couple of things, some problems with these issues things that harm us. One is they cause me to procrastinate. If you think you've got to follow all the rules and the rules are too hard to follow, then I just, just won't do anything. Um, if you have to have perfect conditions to do anything, you're going to procrastinate. I'll give you an example from my own life. Give a little testimony here. We live in the woods and occasionally branches fall off of trees and put holes in our roof. Not a pleasant thing. Uh, one I didn't discover until it rained and there was water pouring down in our bedroom wall. Got up on the roof and fixed that one. But we had one this past fall fall on our porch roof. So when it rained, where did the water go? Went on the porch. Didn't hurt anything. Didn't bother anything. And plus I had this excuse. I needed my drill and my batteries for my drill weren't working. And so I procrastinated in buying the batteries. Then it became wintertime, right? I'm not going to get up on a roof with the snow in the wintertime. Plus, it's cold. And it's, it... Then it came spring, and most of you know I built a deck on my house, so I was kind of distracted with this deck. So finally, a couple weeks ago, I'd bought some batteries for my drill, got up on the roof. Now, it's warm now. That's not the best time to be on the roof, but at least it did it in the morning when I'm in the shade, and I get up there, and I find out I don't have the right size 
thickness of plywood. But I didn't let it stop me. I didn't have, you know, I kind of jury-rigged something. I never did use a drill to, to fix the roof, but I fixed the roof. But if you have to wait to perfect conditions to get anything done, you're going to procrastinate. And if you're going to wait till you're perfect, you know, I'll start that diet when what? <laughs> or I'll start doing this when the kids, now I guess you say go back to school, right? Uh, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for to enter in a relationship with God? What are you waiting for to grow in that relationship with God? What are you waiting for to, you know, I'll start this, you know, when I get married or when the kids grow up or when I retire. There's always those waiting things. So they cause us to procrastinate if things have to be perfect. Secondly, they harm us in our relationships. Now what happens is, if I think I have to be perfect, if I think I've got to follow all the rules, I know I'm not, I know I don't, so I'm feeling bad about myself. I'm feeling guilty sometimes. And if I don't like me, am I going to like you? If I'm miserable, do I want you to be happy? No, 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 that's going to make me even more miserable. So I don't want you to be, I want you to be suffering with me. I want you to be miserable with me. So, of course, if you're married, you're going to make your spouse miserable. Or if you've got kids, you're going to make your kids miserable. We go around correcting each other a lot. Um, anybody like to be corrected? We don't like that. It doesn't improve our relationships. It makes our relationships uh, more difficult. So that's, that's one of the harms of uh, thinking we need to be perfect and follow the rules. And the third thing is this. Consequently, it makes me unhappy. Now, most of us, probably all of us, have this ideal self in our head and the real self. It's kind of like what you put on your resume or what you put on your dating thing if you're online. It's the ideal. It's, not, it's the, the, the you you show on your first date, right? The, the perfect you. We all have this disconnect or this gap between the ideal us and the real us. And <clears throat> we say, well, I'm too, in my case, I was, felt I was too skinny. You might feel like you're too fat or I'm too tall or I'm too short or I'm not smart enough or something. All these things that are lacking, th- that gap. And what happens is we start to nag ourselves or we nag the other person. And we all love to be nagged, Right? And that really works. If somebody nags you, 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 you actually do it. Now, my wife and I have discovered that when you nag each other, we don't do it very often. We're pretty good about this. But when we do it, it, it what makes you defensive, doesn't it? Uh, it doesn't improve your relationship. It doesn't make your relationship better. It doesn't make you happy or the other person happy. <clears throat> now, we learn this when you're young. We learn this. You know, your parents say you need to do this, 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 and this. And you try and please your parents, especially if you're firstborn like I am, and, and you disappoint yourself, you think you disappoint your parents when you don't do all the stuff you should do, and you learn it when you're young. The problem is, you bec- once you become a Jesus follower, and if you're not, we hope you become one, but when you become a Jesus follower, that little voice in your head, we kind of transfer it to God. And so we think, God is nagging us, and God is telling us, no, 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 you're not following all these rules. And so, consequently, we are unhappy. Now, this is a little crazy. I'm going to show you a video that what I think of when I think of this whole topic. And uh, it's like 45 years old. So most of you in here 
may have never seen this cliff, but uh, uh, this is what I think of, and we'll talk about it a little bit after you, after you see it. Callus. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my assistant from Vienna, Mr. Carl Carlson, a bow. The first plate, please. Plate. A plate. Here we go. High level. Second plate, please. Third plate, please. Third plate, please. Thank you. What's the hole for? <laughs> Here, this time I'll do it right. Okay, sweetheart. Second plate, please. Thank you. Third plate, please. Okay, sir. Fourth plate. Thank you. Okay, and... Some of you haven't seen that before. It's a little long, but that's what life 
becomes, life seems long when you're a perfectionist or you're a legalist, doesn't it? It's tiring. It's exhausting. It's hard keeping all those plates spinning. And we all fail at it, don't we? We all drop. They all break. And sometimes they seem like everything's falling apart, doesn't it? So, what's the cure? What's the solution? Well, let me suggest this to you, that you learn to relax. Now, it's easier said than done. I understand. <laughs> learn to relax. If you're Jesus follower, learn to relax in God's grace. Now, we're going to look at something that Paul wrote that uh, he was this, this guy that was a type A personality driven, probably firstborn. I'm not sure about that. He was committed to, the, to keeping all the rules, trying to be perfect. He was a Pharisee. He even persecuted uh, the early church, the Christians. He had this dynamic, dramatic encounter with Jesus and uh, changed his life forever. Consequently, he became a driven, committed follower of Jesus Christ. But he, in this letter to the Romans, he addresses this topic. And he talks off earlier in the, talking about how much we drop the plates. We can't keep them spinning. And then he, we're going to pick it up in verse 20, uh, 21. But then after he says, oh, okay, we all mess up. We all can't keep the rules. And then he says, but now. This is like a pivotal point in his, what he's writing. It's a pivotal point in history for hundreds of years, thousands of years. You know, since Moses, God gave the law to Moses. People haven't been keeping them. They've been breaking them. You and I break them. He says, but now. In fact, you go all the way back to Adam. Adam had how many rules to follow? One. <laughs> Wouldn't you just like to have one rule to follow? Maybe we could do that. Could Adam do it? No. And you and I, even if we had one, we couldn't do it. So that's our situation. That's our, our dilemma. So he said, but now God, since you and I have this dilemma we can't fix, God is going to do something for us. So God has shown us a way. There's a way. Let's be thankful there's a way. To be made right with him, that means to enter in a relationship with him, even though you and I mess up and God is perfect. In fact, he says, there's a way without keeping the requirements of the law. So there is a way without being perfect. There is a way without, you know, having to keep all the rules. Would you be interested in finding out that there's a way? I certainly am. I would be. He said, here it is. We are made right with God. We can enter into a relationship with him by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the way. There's a way. That's, that's, that's the way. That seems a little strange, but okay, God, you say that's the way uh, by believing you or trusting you. And this is true for everyone who believes. So if you believe, it's true. If you don't believe, obviously it's not true. No matter who you are or what you've done. You mean that uh, mass murderer in prison? Same as me? Yep. 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 This little child? Yep. Yep. All the same. President of the United States? Yep. Yep. You know, some street person? Yep. Yep. Everyone. No matter who we are or what we've done. Now, you might complain, well, that's pretty restrictive, you know, I think we should be some other way. Be God, there is a way. Because there is a way. And it's not a hard way. God's on the hard part. And he goes on. For everyone has sinned. 
So you and I are all in the same boat. Everyone, all the same. We're all equal. Equally, in this case, bad. (laughs) All right? We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Nobody bats a thousand. God bats a thousand. This word sin means literally missing the mark. It's like you're shooting an arrow at a target and you miss the bullseye. Nobody hits the bullseye all the time. So we've, we've fallen short. We have sinned. Now we think of some sins bigger than others, don't we? Well, let me ask you. If you miss the mark, do you miss the mark? Yeah. So, that's a problem. Maybe you've never done any terrible things. Well, you've missed the mark. Okay? Now, we think of some bigger than others because of the consequences. You know, I tell a little lie nobody knows about it and there's no consequences. If I kill somebody, there's huge consequences, right? But they're still both missing the mark. They both cause us to be disconnected from God. Big or little. However we want to categorize them. We're all in the same boat. And he goes on. Yet now, again, we're all in the same boat. We're all missed the mark. But God, now yet God, in his gracious kindness, just because he wanted to, because <laughs> he's nice, declares us not guilty. Well, wait a minute. I missed the mark. And God says, no, you haven't missed the mark. But I missed the mark. No, I said you didn't miss the mark. It's like if you go to court, whether you're guilty or not, the judge says you're not guilty. Are you guilty? Not according to the law. And whatever you're charged with gets erased, right? Because the judge declares you not guilty. It doesn't matter if you did it or not. In this case, we did do it. (laughs) We all missed the mark. And God says, not guilty. Now, he did this not because we're not guilty, but he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sin. He took our place. And he goes on. For God presented Jesus, it's all about Jesus, not about you, about I, about me, as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God, connected with God, when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shed his blood. Now that sounds kind of gross, but that's again, (laughs) that's the way. God said a blood had to be shed, a penalty had to be the penalty had to be paid, a price had to, uh, life had to be sacrificed, and so God said, I'm going to do this for you. Jesus, my son, is going to die for you. Now, notice this next part. He said, God is entirely fair and just. Now, do you sometimes feel like, feel like God's not fair? I do. Daughter-in-law died last year. I didn't think I was fair. I always tell I tell you folks that life's not fair. That's a given, right? Life's not fair. But God is entirely fair and just. All the time, but especially when he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Let me kind of explain it this way. Say you created a game. It's baseball season, so you were the creator of baseball. There's nine players on the team. You know, there's nine innings unless it's tied at the end. Each team gets three outs. You kind of go in and out, etc. All right? And you say, I don't think that's fair. I think we should get four outs. Or I think we should have ten players. Or whatever you want to say. Does it matter? It doesn't matter what you and I may think because it's technically not fair what we think because the creator of the game said this is 
the game. So God says, hey, I created you. I created the way to be reconnected with you. This is the rule. This is the way. It's fair. You can choose to believe it or not. You can, but this is the way it is. So then, consequently, this is really important, and follow kind of the logic of his argument here. Consequently, next verse, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? Can I say, hey, I did this, this, and this, so God invited me into a relationship. Now, I can say that maybe about my wife, you know. I took her out on some dates. I treated her really nice, and so she said, all right, I'll enter a relationship with you. We can't say that about God because we didn't do anything. We sometimes call this works. You know, I worked my way into heaven or in a relationship with God. The problem with works is what's it, or who does it center on? Me, right? I did this to get into a relationship with God. Like, it can't be about me. It's got to be about God, so about Jesus. So he says, <clears throat> we can't boast about it. Our acquittal is not based on following the rules, obeying the law, being perfect, but it's based on faith, just believing that this is the way and God's provided the way. And then he sums it up again with this last verse, next verse. So we are made right with God. We enter in a relationship with God through faith and not by obeying the law. All religions of the world are based on obeying the laws or rules or duties, right? You do this, this, and this. You get to go to heaven, be with God, Allah, whatever. Uh, Judaism is based on that, etc. <clears throat> Does the law, can the law, can the rules ever get you into a relationship with God? All the rules do is tell you that you're a mess up, right? That you can't do it. Your willpower, none of us can do the right thing all the time. So I like to think of it this way. The law doesn't justify us. The law terrifies us. Because if I got to get there on my perfection, I'm not going to get there. So I sum it up this way. And I think it's a good summary probably for this whole series so far. I'm not okay. I'm a mess up. But that's okay. Not because it's okay, but because God's grace makes me okay. Now, I think this is important enough that we need to repeat this together. Can we do that? All right, let's get started. I'm not okay, but that's okay because God's grace makes me okay. So I want to talk about a couple things as we finish up of how to relax. Like I said, it's easier said than done, but there's some things that, we, that you and I can work on. First, act in faith, not in fear. Uh, most of you that are, would be in this room that have become Jesus followers understand that that's all by grace. Yep. The only way I get to heaven is because God's gift. But now, again, now that I'm in this relationship with God, how do I get from there to heaven when I die? God's certainly expecting me to do this, this, and this, and not do this, this, and this. And so we fall into, again, legalism or perfectionism. Now, let me just play it this way. Everything you are and have is a gift of God. Are you breathing? I think you're all breathing. If you're breathing, it's a gift of God. If you're hearing me, it's a gift of God. If you're seeing me, 
Maybe you'd rather not, but anyway, if you're seeing me, it's a gift of God, especially my haircut for some reason. But anyway, uh, my wife cuts my hair, by the way. I think she does a good job. <laughs> but, um, it's all a gift, all right? Uh, the house you have, the car you have, that you're able to drive here, the kids you have, the clothes you have, the money you have. I get, it's, just, it's endless. Now, the pushback I get sometimes is this. Yeah, but I go to work and I earn my salary. They bought this stuff. And I just kind of laugh at that. Okay, who gave you the job? Who gave you the strength to go to the job? Who gave you the intelligence to do the job? Everything in life is a gift of God. So doesn't it make sense that salvation, the most important thing, would be a gift from God. Now, how do you know if you're trying to live by legalism or perfectionism? You're tired all the time. How tiring is it to keep the, the, the plates spinning? He was panting. It was exhausting. And it's more exhausting by the fact that you know you can't do it, right? That you're defeated because you're going to fail at it. So act in faith, not in fear. If I've got to keep all those plates spinning, I'm going to be scared to death. Right? So that's number one. Number two, realize nobody's perfect. Ah, I realize I'm not perfect, but I expect you to be perfect. <laughs> now, isn't 95, I think still in school, isn't 95 still an A? I don't know why I shared this in the first service. I'll share it in this second service. My grade point average was about 3.0 when I was in college. All right? That's about a B. Now, I was taking like 18 credits a semester. I got done in three and a half years. Uh, I had, a, had two full part-time jobs. Uh, I was working uh, at my church. And so my goal was basically to, to get a B. It was too much time, energy, and effort to try and get an A. But a 95 is still an A. It's not perfect. Anybody get perfect on everything all the way through school, every test, every grade, every report card? Anybody? No, nobody does that. And when this church hired me, they didn't ask what my grade point average was. Good thing, I guess. I don't know. But we sometimes think, I'm not okay because I'm not 100. I don't make it perfect all the time. And God says, no. <laughs> now, just because God didn't expect us to be perfect, I mean, he says we're supposed to be perfect, but he knows we're not going to be perfect, so he allows it by his grace. Does that mean we shouldn't try and improve ourselves? Try and grow? Try and mature? Absolutely. But we have to realize that mostly other people aren't perfect, and certainly you're not. Thirdly, enjoy God's unconditional love. And this is difficult because we don't know how to give unconditional love. Well, here's the way, way I, I think is the easiest way for me to understand it. It's the difference between being a servant and being a child. Now, when you become a child of God, enter into this grace relationship with God, you're in his family. You're one of his children. And those of you who have children understand, all of us have been children of our parents. A parent-child relationship is different than a parent-servant or parent-employee relationship, isn't it? So when a, when a servant or employee wakes up in the morning, they're thinking, how am I going to be acceptable to my employer? I have to do a good job, right? If I don't do a good job... He might fire me. And so there's this fear. And it's based on their performance. So if somebody hires somebody to clean your house, or cut your grass, let's say cut your grass, and they don't do a good job, you get somebody else, right? If you tell your, one of your kids to go out and cut the grass and they do a lousy job, do you get rid of your kid? <laughs> I hope you don't. 
All right? No, because they're your kid. The relationship isn't based on their performance. So does that help? Does that make sense? So in our relationship with God, our walk with God as we move along, <laughs> it's not, God's not going to love us. We say this a lot. God's not going to love you anymore. And God's not going to love you any less if you do a good job or don't do a good job. Now, you should try and do a good job, but it doesn't affect your relationship with God. In fact, the best way I think to sum this up is God is for us. In fact, we might get to that passage uh, later in this series. God is for us. He's your cheerleader, if you will. So enjoy God's unconditional love. Fourthly, let God handle things. You know, one of the biggest reasons you and I are legalists or perfectionists is because we want to control. We want to control our circumstance. We want to control our family. We want to control our spouse. Control our job. Now, and folks, just, 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 just take a second and think about this. How much of life do you actually control? About that much. I think I control what shirt I put on this morning. I'm not quite sure, but maybe I did. All right? Most of life is out of your control. Now, if you're Jesus follower, that's not such a bad thing because who's in control? God's in control. Who can do a better job, you or him? All right. So it's not a bad thing, but when we try and control, especially people in our relationship, try and control our spouses, try and control our kids, we're going to get into trouble. So let it go. That's a little, little song. Just let it go, let it go. All right. My granddaughter sings all the time. And the way you do that is in prayer. You say, God, I know I'm trying to control things, and I'm sorry, uh, you know, forgive me, and I'm, I'm giving this back to you. Now, now, you'll take it back again, but you have to give it back again, especially, you know, your kids and so forth. But that's what you do. Let me ask you, do you have, does things have to be perfect for you to be happy? Let me, I don't want to bust your bubble. There's no perfect vacation. There's no perfect spouse. My wife is close, but there's no perfect ones. There's no perfect church. I always tell people this. You find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. (laughs) That's the truth, right? Does things have to be perfect? Paul said, I learned to be content. The cool thing about that is something you can learn. We're not content by nature, but we can learn it. So let God handle it. And lastly, and we'll be finished, accept Christ's peace. See, the trouble with legalism and perfectionism, it is nerve-wracking. It's exhausting. It's like spinning those plates. It just, it's just, it's horrible. We can't meet our own expectations, much less other people's expectations. It's certainly not we, in our minds, anyway, God's expectations. And I love this verse, and I realize it's a paraphrase. So for you perfectionist, it's not a literal translation. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out, exhausted, fatigued? This is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. Life isn't supposed to be spinning plates. It's supposed to be, you're supposed to be able to relax. I'll show you how to have a real rest. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. When you and I are walking side by side with God, it shouldn't be exhausting. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, we all fail, but one thing we must not fail at is accepting and receiving God's grace. 
But we're going to finish with our statement. We'll say it together and then we'll be done. Ready? I'm not okay, but that's okay because God's grace makes me okay. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your amazing grace. It really does seem to be too good to be true, especially this part. Well, okay, I, I, I understand that salvation comes through grace, but you know, I got to do this stuff for you, right? To make you happy. God says, no, no. I, 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 I did it all for you. I love you unconditionally. So if you're here this morning, you have never stepped across the line, never accepted God's grace, we want to pray for you. And you can just say that prayer. God, I'm ex- I, I, I want to step across the line. I want to enter your family. I want to receive your grace. I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to be in relationship with you. That's all it takes, just saying yes to God. And most of us here are Jesus followers, and this is something that we all struggle with. Because God, you got all those rules in your book. And we understand that. And we think, yeah, we let you down. But there's no way we can let you down as long as we are relying on you, Jesus. We thank you for your amazing grace. All right, so uh, we'll close with the last song. You have your connection card, response cards. Let us know how we can be of help or any decisions you may be making. Thank you.